0: Welcome to another edition of International Law Behind the Headlines. I'm co-host Catherine Amirfar, and in this episode I speak with former State Department Legal Advisor John Ballinger. John, we're going to talk about the decision of the International Court of Justice in Iran versus United States, also known as the nuclear sanctions case. As you know, the court unanimously approved provisional measures in October, directing the U.S. to remove certain export controls on humanitarian goods. Can you go through from your perspective what the implications or import of that decision has been for the U.S. on one hand and also for the ICJ as an institution?
1: Sure. And Catherine, it's great to be with you and with the um, ASIL audience. Uh, Of course, you and I uh, kicked off uh, more than a year ago uh, the ASIL series on the Trump administration and international law uh, and tried to uh, look into the crystal ball about Things that might possibly happen, and we talked about uh, uh, international uh, institutions and treaties, uh, and of course, uh, uh, some of these actions now have begun to happen, uh, including uh, uh, some treaty withdrawals. Uh, so, uh, in the uh, it, it, this is the uh, third of three cases that are now. Uh, uh been brought against the united states before uh the icj two of them by iran uh and uh, this is the first decision uh in the three cases in the uh, in the the nuclear uh Uh, the the nuclear sanctions case. Uh, The ICJ, of course, has ordered uh, provisional measures against the United States, uh, telling the United States uh, that uh, while uh, it's not going to, uh, the ICJ is not going to ordered the United States to stay in the entire Iran deal, the JCPOA. Uh, It uh, has to continue to provide uh, humanitarian uh, and agricultural supplies and aviation parts uh, and has uh, ordered the United States to do that as a provisional measure. i was somewhat surprised that the court even went that far uh uh, because uh uh, having a a court in the hague uh, wave a red flag uh, before the uh, trump administration uh with respect to the one of the signature initiatives of president trump his withdrawal from the iran deal uh E- even essentially adjoining uh, uh just this small part of of uh us sanctions and requiring the us not to uh uh, uh not to uh lift these sanctions Uh, I was surprised that the court even went this far. Um, And of course, it got an immediate reaction out of the Trump administration, which said that it would now withdraw from the Treaty of Amity uh, between Iran and the United States. Uh, and uh, uh, so that uh, Iran could not sue the United States uh, again. So it did get an immediate reaction from the Trump administration, uh, but the Trump administration has not gone farther. I worried that they might overreact farther and to pull out of the case altogether uh, and just refuse to go farther. And I suppose that is still a possibility, Uh, uh, but at least right now, uh, uh, the court has gone farther than I thought they would. Uh, the Trump administration, not surprisingly, has reacted. Uh, uh, but as uh, as you know, Catherine, and I did write uh, recently uh, in a blog post that it's perhaps not surprising that the United States has pulled out of the Treaty of Amity because this is the third time now that Iran uh, has sued the United States uh, under the Treaty of Amity, uh, and if they're going to keep doing that, uh, it's perhaps not surprising. Uh, And in fact, I would support it myself uh, uh, to have the United States pull out of the Treaty of Amity, given that there does not seem to be much amity now between the United States and Iran.
0: So John, let me ask, because you expressed surprise that the court went that far, because there's some that look at it as an example of restraint. You suggested this as well, but the court was pretty conservative in terms of what it required the United States to do, since as a domestic matter, the United States has already removed impediments to the export of humanitarian goods to Iran. So as a practical matter, what would the United States have to do in order to comply with that judgment? That's pretty straightforward. Wouldn't you agree?
1: I would, and I think that must have been what is uh, in the minds of the of the court. And the interestingly, it was unanimous, including the uh, ad hoc uh, judge uh, uh, selected by the United States, Charlie Maurer. So all the judges uh, said that the United States, uh, while uh, the court was not going to require the United States to stay in the Iran deal pending resolution of the case, the court did say uh, that you must continue to provide these humanitarian agricultural goods and uh, and spare parts, uh, so uh, the the court obviously felt that they could go that far uh, without uh, uh, risking uh, a, a enormous uh, reaction from the United States. Um, I mean, even that, frankly, was risky for the court, uh, knowing this administration uh, and with uh, John Bolton as national security advisor and uh, President Trump as president, there were certainly some risks that the United States could have just pulled out altogether. Uh, And I think that, frankly, sadly, is still a possibility. Uh, But as you point out, it, it if the United States were acting uh, uh, pragmatically and realistically it's not so hard for them to comply with this uh, narrow requirement because there were already licenses uh, provided by the office of foreign assets control uh, that allowed uh, humanitarian agricultural goods to continue uh, to go to iran so it it shouldn't be too hard for the united states to comply i'm quick to say this is not i don't think the united states is instantly in compliance uh there's some difficulties around the edges as to whether uh the united states must provide uh, humanitarian uh, goods or agricultural uh, food uh, uh, to uh, specially designated nationals, say the IRGC or others. But the United States should be able to comply with this. And I think that was the calculation uh, that the court was making. The risk was that rather than making a sort of rational decision on uh, that the United States might simply ideologically say, we're we're just not going to listen to a court in The Hague tell us uh, what to do or what not to do, whether it's uh, easy to do or not. Um, what we don't know, and we haven't seen anything in the paper about this, is whether there have been uh, huge internal battles uh, in the administration about this uh one could normally expect i would hope that the state department would be saying certainly the legal advisor's office saying look this is not too hard to comply with let's comply but there could be others in the administration saying uh, we don't want the icj to be telling us to do anything Uh, but at least so far uh, other than withdrawing from the treaty of amity which we can talk more about Uh, The uh, administration has not uh, said or hinted that they're not going to comply with this uh, narrow order.
0: John, can you play out what the ramifications would be if the United States takes the additional step of dropping out of the case?
1: Well, I, I, uh, you and I talked about this a year ago, uh, Catherine, and I, I continue to worry about this. That you know, this administration uh, is so hostile towards international uh, courts and threats to American sovereignty uh, that the administration uh, uh, might decide to not appear uh, or to pull out of. Any of these three cases the two uh, cases brought by Iran uh, or the one new case brought by uh, the state of Palestine so uh, taking uh, just this particular case uh, uh, the nuclear case uh, the, uh, uh, the United States could decide either now Uh, or uh, perhaps after the uh, uh, next round uh, of briefing uh, and hearing, that if the court decides that notwithstanding U.S. objections uh, to the jurisdiction of the court, that the court is going to move forward, Uh, suppose the administration could say well we're just not going to continue we object to the jurisdiction of the court and we're just not going to go forward that's of course what famously happened uh, more than 30 years ago in the Nicaragua case uh, under the Reagan administration uh, when uh, the uh, US government appeared at the jurisdictional phase and when it lost uh, on jurisdiction it simply pulled out and did not go forward Uh, I'm sure uh, that John Bolton, who was around during the Reagan administration, uh, uh, is mindful of that. He he referred to that case recently in a White House press conference, and so uh, I'm sure that there are at least some in the administration uh, who might be thinking, why should we even uh, continue to participate in a case before the ICJ uh, that has been brought by Iran? Um, again, hopefully, uh, the State Department, led by uh, legal advisor Jennifer New stead uh, will be arguing uh, that the United States should stay in. We've got good arguments, uh, it shows our uh, commitment to international law. and even though we don't like this case, uh, we think it's a, a misuse of the Treaty of Amity uh, that uh, that the US ought to stay in the case. but I, I do worry that uh, that there could be voices arguing in the administration uh, that the US should just pull out.
0: So John, let's turn to the Treaty of Amity. As you know, it covers a broad array of relations between the United States and Iran and has since 1955. It covers, for example, economic relations, consular rights, and bilateral affairs. What is the result of the US withdrawal from this broad treaty in your mind?
1: Well, I don't think it's—I um, I don't think it's going to be an enormous effect. In fact, really, even much of an effect at all on the United States. And in fact, I, I've been scratching my head trying to remember when I was legal advisor whether we had much discussion about whether the United States should uh, uh, terminate participation in the Treaty of Amity after Iran sued us in the uh, famous oil platforms case. Uh, uh, but we continued to stay in uh, over all these years. I believe that the reason that the United States stayed in was that we continue to believe that there is uh, friendship and amity between the American people and the Iranian people. Uh, it's simply that the uh, U.S. government has been unhappy for decades with the actions of the Iranian government, but that the friendship for the Iranian people uh, remains, and so therefore we've stayed in the treaty to hold out hope that uh, uh, relations could be restored. There also the treaty does provide, obviously, uh, rights for uh, to protect Americans in Iran with respect to uh, commerce and consular rights, uh, but the, you know, those benefits are are so minor uh, that uh, given the cost of having Iran continue to sue us multiple times under the treaty, and there being virtually uh, no practical benefit for Americans to stay in the treaty, and really very little even uh, uh, ideological benefit to say that we are staying in a treaty of amity uh, then what benefit really is the treaty. So while I'm not a, a big supporter of withdrawing from treaties, uh, if they're not serving our purpose and in fact are only hurting us, uh, uh, it probably makes some sense to have withdrawn. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. If I'd been a legal advisor, uh, I probably would support this action myself.
0: So let's turn to another withdrawal by the Trump administration. As you know, National Security Advisor John Bolton also announced the withdrawal from the 1961 Optional Protocol to the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations. Can you speak to that?
1: Now, that was a little more surprising. Uh, and I, I would, I, of course, I'm not fully briefed on all of the reasons, but that that struck me, uh, Catherine, as a, an overreaction. So uh, the State of Palestine uh, filed a Uh, case against the United States and the ICJ at the end of September uh, uh, under the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations optional protocol for dispute resolution and alleging that the United States had violated the Vienna Convention by uh, moving its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem while the status of Jerusalem was unsettled. Uh, 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 Within uh, 10 days' time, uh, National Security Advisor John Bolton Uh, announced that as a result the United States was withdrawing from the optional protocol under the Vienna Convention. Um, That seemed to me to be both surprising and an overreaction for several reasons. One, it was interesting to me that that was announced by the National Security Advisor uh, rather than by the Secretary of State The Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations, of course, is the principal treaty and a very important one that protects our diplomats and our uh, diplomatic facilities all around the world. Uh, So if we were going to do anything to it, uh, you would have thought that that would be uh, within the province of the Secretary of State. Uh, By withdrawing from it, it, of course, prevents us from bringing any actions against other countries for violating the Vienna Convention. uh, If we have withdrawn from the optional protocol, and frankly, it seemed unnecessary.
0: So John, what about the downsides to the withdrawal from the optional protocol?
1: What are your views on those? So it was surprising to me that the administration felt it necessary to pull out of the optional protocol simply because the state of Palestine had brought this suit. Uh, uh, There had not been a pattern or or practice of other states suing the United States under the optional protocol. In fact, uh, uh, I'm not aware of any other case, or at least not one in recent times. So uh, uh, simply that the state of Palestine had sued the United States uh, under the Vienna Convention uh, didn't mean that the United States was under uh, tremendous risk of assault here. Uh, I think we uh, have uh, excellent Uh, defenses, the United States in uh, this case, uh, uh, as to whether the court has jurisdiction. Uh, So I think, frankly, it's likely that the United States would win. So to pull out of the optional protocol simply because uh, Palestine had sued the United States uh, seems like an overreaction. Uh, uh, It is will cost the United States because now the United States cannot use the optional protocol to bring cases against other states. Uh, It hasn't, to my knowledge, done so uh, ever before, uh, but still we're giving up a tool in our own uh, diplomatic toolkit. Uh, uh, John Bolton, uh, in announcing the withdrawal from the optional protocol, Cited the Bush administration's withdrawal from the similar Optional Protocol to the Vienna Convention on Consular Relations, which the United States did uh, when I was legal advisor. Uh, but the two cases are very different. And, and with respect to the Vienna Convention on Consular Relations, the United States had been sued by uh, three different countries: uh, by uh, Germany in the La Grande case, uh, uh, by Paraguay, and then finally by Mexico and the. Vienna and Medellin cases, uh, and I had argued the Medellin case, and it became clear that other countries uh, whose nationals were inadvertently not given consular notice uh, when arrested in the United States would continue to keep suing the United States. So while uh, it was unfortunate that uh, we had to withdraw from the Vienna Convention, there was a pattern and practice of, of states suing us. Uh, and winning, uh, and no sign that that would stop. So as legal advisor, I reluctantly agreed that while we would litigate the cases, that we would withdraw from the optional protocol. In this case, There's no sign that other states are going to be suing us uh, under the uh, Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations. So while it's annoying uh, that uh, the state of Palestine uh, did so, uh, I uh, frankly would have just defended the case uh, rather than pulling out of the optional protocol. Thanks, John. Great to be with you. Thanks, Catherine.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the podcast, please look for International Law Behind the Headlines on iTunes.